1: C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T dot com. Let the next 60 minutes inspire, motivate, and encourage you to become your own best version. And now, here's Cynthia.
2: Thank you for joining me today. This is Cynthia Hyatt, and I'm very glad that you're listening in today. I think I have a topic that is going to be very encouraging and certainly affects all of us uh, directly, and that is the issue of change. And so this particular series is called The Dilemma of Change. And one of the things that we're going to talk about are the the different types of changes that we have to endure and incur as we go through our daily life. Now, one of the things that we do know is that change is inevitable. And you know the famous saying, nothing is permanent except change. The only constant is change. Nothing endures but change. And Heraclitus of Ephesus, he's the one that coined this phrase. And this, he, he said this in 535 B.C. So it, it, it's phenomenal that here he is 500 years before Christ and he's coining this phrase that the only thing you can depend on is change. So as we address this dilemma of change, I'm going to give you three types of change and what results from change. How we deal with the resultant loss or gain, and the difference between positive and negative stress and loss. We're going to also make sure that we make this pain that often comes with change for gain, and how we also support and help others in the process of their own change. So I I found this quote by a gentleman named uh, Harold Wilson, and this was said in France January 23, 1967. And he—he was—it it was a speech he was giving to the consultative assembly of the Council of Europe in Strasbourg. And this is what he says: He says, "He who rejects change is the architect of decay. The only human institution which rejects progress is the cemetery." So I'm going to say that to you one more time: He who rejects change is the architect of decay. The only human institution which rejects progress is the cemetery. So I ask you today, what has changed in your life? Maybe you've had an addition to your family, a baby, a new spouse, stepchildren, maybe a pet. Maybe you've experienced the loss of a baby, the loss of a spouse through death or a divorce. Maybe you've experienced the loss of a pet. Very painful. Maybe a brother or a sister or a friend. How about a job change? Maybe it was by your choice, or maybe it was thrust upon you. Maybe an unexpected demotion or promotion. Or in today's world, maybe you just got added responsibility. What about a move? You got a bigger house. Or the loss of a house. What if you experienced a fire or a break-in? How about a major physical change? You become pregnant and gained weight, or you lost weight. Maybe you were injured what about a long or prolonged protracted illness that you did not expect? What about the loss of identity? How about you had, a good, you had something really excellent, you won, you, you won the lottery? Or what if someone stole your life savings, you had a bad business deal or an investment? What if you just noticed you're having to face the fact that you're really, really aging? So these are all examples of of change that creates stress and loss. And because change produces stress and creates losses, even if the change is positive, there will be stress and there will be some type of loss, even if it's a positive change. So stress and change are two dynamics that humans tend to dislike and oftentimes we resist. We know this is true because stress and loss, even if it's positive, are at least uncomfortable and at most excruciatingly painful. We do know that humans by nature gravitate toward pleasure and they naturally resist pain. So, so what we do know, and, and just so that you know this about yourself as a human being, we naturally resist pain and we gravitate toward pleasure. So therefore, stress always creates a critical juncture for us. <clears throat> Excuse me. We're going to have to let the pain created by this change either be in vain or we will allow the pain of change to be for gain because we know there is never no pain. See, this is a saying that I say to my clients all the time. I remind them you can have pain for gain or pain in vain, but there is never no pain. So while we are on this earth, we are going to incur pain. So we are going to either let that pain be for gain and cause better things in our life, or we are going to just survive that pain and then all that surviving of the pain is just simply in vain. So you see, God designed humans for stress. It is a part of his creative process. Because stress creates change, and change creates stress. And so hopefully this manifests the new strength, the beauty, or depth in you. But we see that stress creates change, and that stress, that, that change that comes from stress creates a new stress. So the choice, choice here is the operative word. So we as humans with free will, we can decide how we deal with or respond or react to stress. We can decide how we respond and react to change and the pain that it brings. Now, there's a plethora of literature that expresses the resultant beauty of pain. Excuse me. And we have an example upon example, stories upon stories that exemplifies this phenomenon. Now, it, it must bring God great heartache to see that pain brings out the best in humans. That is, if there's anything good to find pain, we'll find it. And sadly, ease and pleasure produce nothing valiant or admirable in humans. This only occurs if the pleasure and the ease is a byproduct of overcoming or enduring some great or painful hardship. So, like a bloom after a long, cold winter, see, we see this even in nature. The old has to die for the new to come. There is reasons. Or the seasons. So because change is inevitable, we oftentimes work harder at resisting and fighting the inevitable rather than growing through it and becoming stronger people. We use all of our strength to fight and resist. Now see, the strongest trees don't resist growing, but they dig their roots deeper to handle the strain of the storm. All their strength is used to drive their roots deeper and wider. This way, the tree is able to stay vertical. And, and through the course of its roots, it has tons, tremendous amounts of strength when the storm comes. So when we try to control or mitigate the storms of life, we then allow the pain and that stress brings to activate our defense mechanisms. And this is one of the things that we talk many times about in counseling. Is many times the way that I'm going to be dealing with stress or loss or change Instead of handling it appropriately, I begin to use defense mechanisms. And, and these usually manifest as avoidance, resistance, control, aggression, disassociation, intellectualization, numbing, manipulation. And I'm going to go over that uh, further on in, in the discussion today. So, But I want you to know that these defense mechanisms, they're not created by God. They are created by us. And they are created to protect us. The problem is they many times cause us to incur more pain. So although these defense mechanisms help us survive our life, they don't help us to thrive. So conversely, they become more counterproductive and outdated. So this simply means that a defense mechanism, which was once necessary for survival, has now become ineffective and inappropriate. And so consequently, that, that defense, that thing that once protected me from maybe toxic stress or, or injury or, or abuse it ends up creating more stress and it increases loss. So generally, because the defense mechanisms begin to create new problems that we were defending against. So you see, if you grew up in an abusive family and you created a defense mechanism mechanism, like avoidance or resistance or numbing or intellectualization as a way to cope with the abuse in that family, once you're outside of that abuse and that's not happening and you don't let go of that defense mechanism, you're going to just create more of that. This is one of the reasons we have people saying, Oh my goodness, I married my mother. I married my father. Why does this keep happening to me? I keep having the same losses, the same pain over and over again. So this is why I penned this thing. Every loss has a gain and every gain has a loss. So I'm going to say that again. Every loss has a gain and every gain has a loss. So if you look at the above changes, what losses may they have incurred? Well, possible gains may, these changes might have produced. The addition of a new baby. That's a wonderful gain. Wonderful gain. But what is some of the losses that came with that? Loss of time, freedom. You, you become attached to a person. That, that Sometimes that can be very scary. The more we attach to somebody, the more valuable the more important they become to us, the the more scary it is if we lose them. So what about the death of a person that struggled with a terrible illness, whether it be mental or physical? What about the loss of a job or the loss of relationship? So what would be gained from those? What would I be losing from those? Now we're going to look at three different types of change today, and this may help understand what change is all about. And so... The three types that we're gonna look at are the ones that we generate ourselves. That is by changing jobs. We make New Year's resolutions. The second one is the change that is predictable, but unavoidable. This is something like aging or going into puberty. And the third is the change that is thrust upon us that we didn't ask for. This would be like 9-11, um, the tragic loss of a, of a person in my life, the loss of a job that I didn't anticipate at all. So each of those three types of change require different ways to cope with them and the the importance of going through the grief and loss process, which is what we're going to discuss. And as we come upon a break, we're going to come back and we're going to discuss at length those three different types of changes, how they affect us, one of the healthiest ways to cope with them, and what it means to go through the grief and loss process. So as we discuss the grief and loss process, I'm sure that you have heard that before. And that has several different stages um, that the grief and loss process has. And one of those is we have the first stage, which is shock. The second is denial. The third is bargaining. The fourth is anger. Then we have sadness and mourning. And as we go through that whole entire process, we get to acceptance. So when we are t- talking about the dilemma of change, we're going to be talking about the grief and loss process so i'm sure the break is short i look forward to talking to you again This is Cynthia Hyatt and Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you for joining me. The first segment, we were talking about change and the fact that change is inevitable. The only thing that's permanent is change and the types of changes and the fact that when we do incur change, we are going to have some type of gain and we're going to have some type of loss. And the main thing that I want you to remember today is this idea that There is always going to be pain as long as we are on this planet. I know that that's not necessarily great positive news for you, but it's probably what you already know. So the thing that we do know is that there's pain and we can have pain for gain, which means that the pain causes me to be a better person, a stronger person, a more resilient person, somebody that is more reflective of Christ. Or I can have pain in vain. And that means that all I did was survive the pain. Maybe I self-medicated throughout the whole thing. Maybe I avoided it. I resisted it. And when I, when I incur loss from change and I just survive it, then I'm going to end up going around the mountain again because I'm going to be less resilient the next time change comes. So we're wanting this change to cause us to be stronger. So we do not want pain in vain. We want pain for gain because we know that we will always have pain. So these different types of changes that we were talking about, We have three specific types of changes that we incur in life. The first one is the change that I initiate. And that would be something like New Year's resolutions or I decide to get married. I want to buy a house. So these are are changes that I am choosing to have. And so the stress with those types of changes is a little bit different. Still can be extremely stressful. But there's a little bit less stress, a little bit less pain oftentimes if I'm the one choosing to do it. The second type of change is the one that is unavoidable, but predictable. And so these are things such as aging. This is unavoidable and it is predictable. And so if I don't learn how to deal with that process well and go through the losses that that come with aging, then I'm going to be a weaker person so that as I get older, I will continue to weaken instead of strengthening my resiliency in my spirit and my soul. I'm going to become weaker, which will make the losses as I age even harder. And, it, and, it, and at the same time, I won't be able to enjoy the process that I'm in. So the third type of change is the one that is thrust upon me, and this is the one that many times is the hardest to manage and to do well. And that type of change is the death of a loved one that was maybe unexpected. Something like 9-11 This is a change that we didn't even anticipate and would never have even imagined would happen. And so these changes are much more difficult to manage. And they may cause us to want to just go into survival versus really learning how to cope and integrate that change. So some questions that we might want to ask ourselves when we're considering initiating a change. Because this is, remember, this is the change that we have choice over. So when I am considering initiating a change, I might want to say to myself, are these changes I need to initiate? Because what we do know about Americans and what I know about type A people oftentimes is we create many changes we really don't need to be creating. They're really not helping us. They're just increasing a whole bunch of stress. And so that may be overextending ourselves credit wise. That may be uh, taking on another job that really we don't have time to do. That may be over volunteering. So we want to say to ourselves, I'm really going to initiate this change. Is this something I really need to initiate? And as I do those changes, am I going to be able to accept what comes with that change? And I might ask myself, is this something I can control or do I need to just accept this? So if I am going to have a baby, then I might say to myself, what are the things that I have control over and what, what do I not? And the things that I don't have control over, am I going to be willing to accept it? So what are some of the losses that I'm afraid of if I do initiate this change? So let's say I want to move out of state and how exciting that might be. I'm going to get to go to a new city. Maybe a new job is waiting for me. Maybe I have friends that are are there and I'm going to move next to some friends. But what are some of the losses that I'm going to incur if I do move? And so we need to evaluate what losses will, will come with that. So what am I going to do to manage the stress of this change? And then lastly, a really important one that we are needing to be asking ourselves on an ongoing basis is, am I growing up? Am I using this change to to further mature and to grow up? Or am I trying to initiate this change to maybe avoid another change or another loss? Am I trying to initiate a change so that I don't have to go through something else? Or do I do I have something in my life that I don't want to deal with? And so maybe I'll just change something. So Maybe I have um, a really bad situation in the city that I live in, and so I'll just move. Well, we're going to incur a lot more loss and a lot more stress if we use this defense mechanism of running away. Because what we do know, one of the famous things I love, is everywhere you go, there you are. So you can't outrun yourself. So second chain, the second type of change, this is one that's predictable but unavoidable. And we talked a little bit about that. That's something such as puberty, aging, the seasons. I know for myself, I live in Phoenix, Arizona, and every single year I resist summer. Why? I don't know. I don't want summer to come and I want to resist it. And it is going to come. We all know it's going to come and it will probably stay for quite some time. Always longer than I want it to stay. So I know that that change is coming. The seasons are changing, and I need to change with that. The more that I resist it, the more upset I get, the more angry I get. And I'm always telling people I think here in Phoenix there should be the weather police because I think that 115 degrees should be illegal. I truly do. Not that God is listening to me on that. So how do I deal with these changes that are predictable, unavoidable? They may be desirable. They may be undesirable. Well, one of the things we want to do more than anything is go with the flow. So if I use the example of summer, the easiest way for me to go with the change from spring to summer is to go with the flow. I need to accept the feelings that come with summer. I need to resolve the grief and loss process. And I know that I'm oversimplifying this. I'm only using this to use as as an example. So I go through the grief and loss process of summer, which means that I can't wear the clothes I was wearing in winter. It means that I have to get prepared for the heat. It means that the electricity bill is going to go up. So I accept these things. The, second, the, the third thing that I'm doing when I'm working on a predictable but unavoidable change is I communicate. I communicate how I feel and I communicate that it's happening. And so I don't want to be in denial about the fact that I'm aging. And I have many friends that didn't want to get glasses even though they needed them. So the fourth one is we want to seek support when we're going through this type of change. I also want to stay healthy and fit because that will help me with these unavoidable, predictable changes. Then I also want to focus on the gains because remember previously we were talking about every gain has a loss, every loss has a gain. So what is the gain that I get when I go into summer and what is the loss? So I address and I strengthen my spiritual life. So when I am having a predictable but unavoidable change, I want to use this to strengthen my spiritual life. So if it's the aging process I'm having to deal with, if it's the fact that I'm not going to make as much money or my money isn't going as far as it used to, if it means that the predictable and unavoidable change is my children moving on, then I'm going to go with the flow. I'm going to communicate. I'm going to seek support. I'm going to focus on the gains of that. And I'm going to address and strengthen my spiritual life in the process. So thank you for listening to this segment. We have another break. And I look forward to you talking to you in a couple of minutes. This is Cynthia Hyatt. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you for joining me today. And we have been talking about the dilemma of change and the different type of changes that we go through and that we incur and that some are avoidable, some are predictable, some are thrust upon us, some are of our own making. But either way, whenever we experience change, we are going to have grief, we are going to have loss, and we are going to have stress. And so again, we're wanting the pain to be for gain versus the pain being in vain. So we want the stress, whether it be a positive stress or a negative stress, we want it to strengthen us. And we want it to cause us to be more substantive people, people that reflect Christ. And so this, this last change that we were talking about is the change that is thrust upon us, and this is the hardest change. The other two changes we discussed was the one that was predictable but unavoidable. That's like puberty and aging and children growing up. The second one was the one that, that we generate ourselves, And these are changes like New Year's resolutions or deciding to get married. But this third one is the change that is thrust upon us that we didn't ask for. No, nobody asked our permission. Nobody even let us know it was coming. And so this is, this is the change that occurs like uh, as in 9-11. We never predicted that. Never would have even imagined it. And it just happened. Or the loss of a spouse that that was completely unpredictable. Somebody's in a tragic accident. Somebody commits suicide. These are things that, that even if there's an inkling of someone struggling with something, we still never expect someone to commit suicide. We don't expect to lose a child. If a woman is pregnant and she miscarries, she doesn't expect that. And these are losses that are extremely painful. We also can have them in a positive manner. We have people that win the lottery. And we see that as a positive. But what we do know about lottery winners is if they're not prepared, if they're not understanding what that is going to do to their life, 99% of those people that have won the lottery are worse off in one year's time than they ever were before they even got any of the winnings. So when we're dealing with this type of a loss, the one that is thrust upon us that we didn't ask for, there are some things that that we need to understand about what what, what is happening to us. Because many times positive or negative changes result in a negative outcome has to do more with the following. See, when we have a change, even if it's positive, but it becomes a negative outcome like we, we discussed with winning the lottery. The reasons that this may be happening is the lack of coping skills, So if if I'm lacking certain or necessary coping skills to deal with change, to deal with the stress that comes with change or to deal with loss, then I'm going to incur that problem that we talked about, that the pain that I go through is just going to be in vain. I'm just going to survive it, and I'm not going to be any stronger because of it. In fact, I'll be weakened, which means that any stress I receive after that is going to cause me to be weaker, and it will be harder to deal with. So it's kind of like the example. When I talk to people about the reason that we want to stay healthy, fit, emotionally, psychologically, physically, we want to be healthy, fit, resilient people is because it's the difference between, let's say we have a really healthy, like an Olympian, Olympic athlete. They go through a car accident. And so their recovery is going to be very different because really all that they are are healing from is the injury they incurred in the accident. That's very different than somebody, let's say an elderly person, or let's say someone that doesn't take care of themselves at all let's say somebody that that is struggling with diabetes, somebody that has um is is on their way to the oncologist the, so we if we have someone that is very compromised physically to begin with and then they go through a car accident, well they may never be the same again, and so we can't anticipate these losses or these changes that may be thrust upon us, but we do want to be as fit as we possibly can. We do want to have healthy coping skills so that when that loss, when that change that is unpredictable occurs, I manage it better and I become a better person because of it. And we're going to talk about some of the ways that we do that. One of the other reasons that a a stress or a change may have a very negative outcome is that, that I don't have the ability to manage stress. It may be that I have a tendency to rely on defense mechanisms and it may be that I'm resistant to the grief and loss process. I just want to avoid it completely. I don't want to feel those feelings. And then many times there's just a general fear of pain itself. And so when we have these issues that are happening, that I don't have good coping skills, I don't manage stress well, I, I rely on defense mechanisms, or I'm resistant to the grief and loss process, and I have a general fear of, of the, just the pain itself, I don't want to have anything to do with the pain then whatever change is thrust upon me, whether it's positive or negative, is going to weaken me and it will have a negative outcome. So it's imperative that we learn how to manage and effectively cope with loss and gain. And so in this last segment, what we're going to do is we are going to talk very much about that. And I'm going to talk at length about defense mechanisms and what they are. And then we'll, we'll discuss later on the grief and loss process. So thank you for joining me, and I look forward to you in the next segment. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. I hear the whispers in my Hello, this is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you for joining me today. And we have been talking about the dilemma of change and that change is inevitable that nothing is permanent but change. And so we've been discussing the three types of changes and that's the first type is the one that is avoidable, is unavoidable but predictable, and that would be something like aging or children growing up. The second one is the change that I incur, that that I choose to do, that I that I um that I bring on. And that would be something like I want to buy a house, I want to get married, I want to have children, I want to change jobs new year's resolutions that type of change I have a lot more choice in because i'm the one that's I'm the one that's um generating that change, and the third one, which is what we just ended this last segment on, which is the hardest and the most difficult, is that change that is just thrust upon me that nobody asked my permission about and that's some uh, th- these are generally the most tragic changes that we have, even though on the other hand we can have changes that are are phenomenally posit- positive that we never even anticipated happening and That would be something like winning the lottery. It may be something like people that didn't think they could get pregnant. All of a sudden they find out they're pregnant and oh my goodness, it's this wonderful, wonderful change that is now um, happening in my life. But what we discussed is if I don't know how to manage these changes effectively, I am going to be then having a negative outcome, even if the change was positive to begin with. And so one of the things that we talked about is that if I don't have good coping skills, If I don't manage stress well, if I rely on defense mechanisms, if I resist the grief and loss process that I need to go through as that change happens, and if I have a general just fear of pain itself and I just don't want to feel any pain, well, then whatever that that change is that's going to be incurred is going to cause me to become a weaker, more fragile person. If I am weaker and more fragile, then I can know that any change that comes after is going to cause me to be even more weak and more fragile. And I'm going to become less and less able to cope with life at all. And so we want to make sure that we are really learning how to deal with this issue of change and stress and loss because we know that it's going to be happening. So one of the, the, the references that I really enjoy looking at is this, this uh, verse in Matthew 10, 16. This is the, and the Amplified says, Behold, I am sending you out like sheep in the midst of wolves. Doesn't that sound like our world? Be wary and wise as serpents and be innocent or harmless, guileless, without falsity, as doves. So he says, behold, I'm sending you out like sheep in the midst of the wolves. Be wary and wise as serpents and be innocent as doves. And what I learned about serpents, it was such an interesting phenomenon. The reason that God chose that to explain what cunning and wise is, is that a serpent is willing to lose almost its entire body but just not his head. And that's how he survives. And so what that tells us is that we, are, we need to be willing many times to lose everything but our faith. Our faith we cannot ever let go of. And as we do that, we learn that we can survive and even thrive in the midst of loss and keep that innocence and that harmlessness and, and be a safer person even if we have incurred tremendous loss, tremendous hardship. If I keep my faith... And I'm willing to let go of whatever the losses are that are happening. Knowing that I always have my faith. That I'm able to also keep my heart. And I'm able to keep a heart that is still loving and still kind and still hopeful. So when change and loss are appropriately done and healthily integrated, we get a person of character. And virtue comes forth from this person. And people that have incurred tremendous loss and have learned to survive it in a way that is thriving and they are healthy, healthier and stronger, more resilient because of it, they are the safest people to be around because they know what it feels like. And they're not in, in a um, position of shrinking back if you have pain. See, if I've in- incurred tremendous pain in my life and I've integrated it well, then when you're in pain, I don't, I don't panic over it. I know what pain is like and I know how to deal with it. And so I'm very much better able to be present with you in your pain if I have managed my own. So when loss and change is resisted due to an inability to manage it effectively, well, we get these defense mechanisms that we talked about in the first segment of the show. And that becomes the coping strategy. So it may help if we look at these in a little bit more detail. And this is not in any way intended to cause anyone to feel condemnation. Defense mechanisms are naturally occurring processes in humans. This is one of the ways that we learn to survive our life. And so God is not ever angry with us about having defense mechanisms. He, he really, truly understands the pain that we incur as we live here on this earth. We're, we're thankful that Jesus came and knows exactly what it feels like to live down here and to deal with all the people that are down there and to deal with ourselves. And so... When we look at defense mechanisms, it is simply really good information for us to understand, wow, that might be my favorite defense mechanism. And if I'm not careful, if I get too much stress, if the loss I feel creates too much pain for me, I may immediately go to that defense mechanism. And if that's the case, I better go get some help and some support because that defense mechanism is only going to cause me to become more unhealthy and less able to cope with what's going on. So what are some of these the common defense mechanisms? one is avoidance, and I'm sure you you, you can understand what avoidance is. We have control, resistance. Sometimes people use aggression or manipulation. Disassociation is one of the ones that happens. It's like my body is here, but I'm not here. So I'm disassociated from what's going on around me. Many times we have people that do a lot of intellectualizing. And I know that for myself, I can do more intellectualizing because I think if I can just understand what's happening, then I'll feel better. And God has frequently reminded me that he is giving me peace that passes all understanding, that there are many things that are his way that I don't understand his way. And I don't know his thoughts. And many times I have to just relax in trusting God, which is difficult because I would rather just understand it. The other one may be numbing. Maybe maybe you're familiar with that one, that you know what it's like. You just kind of go numb. You go flat. So you just don't feel anything. So now these aren't necessarily characterological issues. We're not talking about, you know, deep, deep pathology necessarily. What we are talking about is that if we don't get a handle on these, then they can become pathological. They can become illegal, immoral behaviors if i use If I use alcohol as a way to medicate all that pain that I have and i don 't manage it well and that becomes my primary way of coping, well then that will be very, very detrimental to me and could actually become dangerous so These strategies are generally used to avoid the grief and loss process, and this is a necessary process to deal with um, any loss or change in a healthy way because remember any change we have is going to incur some losses even if it's a good change and so we want to deal with the loss in a healthy way so that that pain creates a stronger healthier more substantive person so let's look a little bit at these defense mechanisms and what they what they actually are so the number one that we talked about was avoidance now this is a pervasive pattern of avoiding or withdrawing many times from social interaction Um, so, or, or whatever it is that is, is causing the pain. So if the pain that I'm incurring is a a particular relationship, I may just avoid the relationship entirely. I may not return phone calls. I may not, uh, be willing to go places that that person is at. If I'm, if I'm avoiding a, a particular content of conversation that may need to occur, then if the person starts to try to talk to me about this particular issue, maybe it's, pain or fear they're having, or maybe they're having a problem with me, I may change the subject. I may walk away. I may say, hey, I don't really have time for this. And I avoid it at all costs. I may use humor sometimes as a way to avoid talking about something that may be painful. So I may use avoidance as a way I just don't bring something up. I pretend like it's not there. And so we have denial. And we know that denial is one of the defense mechanisms that we use frequently is we just pretend like it's not happening, pretend like it's not there because it's too painful. So avoidance and denial can be very similar. So the second one is control. Now, this is, this is one of the things that Americans are very, is very prevalent with Americans because we have a lot of choice. And so we think we can control a lot of things that we can't control. And so one of the ways that I avoid pain is I'm going to micromanage maybe whatever the circumstance is. So we might see this when someone's in terrible grief. It may be natural for them to want to control and so they may be controlling very little things that really don't matter at all. Which is a defense mechanism because they're not dealing well with the pain. But what happens is if they're effectively dealing with that pain, that will eventually that will eventually diminish. So control has a lot to do with I don't understand the changes that are occurring in my life or they're too stressful for me or I'm I don't want that loss to incur uh, I don't want to incur that loss and so I refuse and I'm going to control that situation. This may be someone that, that um, absolutely refuses to let go of a relationship. And even if you say the relationship's over, they refuse that. And so they start to control by going after you, seeing you, calling you, emailing, doing all these different things. So we also have resistance. And this is often a form of what we call deflection. And it's similar to avoidance in some ways. But it might look like if I resist something then I may resist information. I don't want to know about it. Don't tell me about it. So if somebody starts to tell you, you know, uh, if you keep eating that way, you're probably going to, you know, this is probably going to happen. Resistance is, I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to know about it. I'm not going to educate myself on it. The fourth one is aggression, and I'm sure that you understand what that one is, and you've met people that use aggression as a defense mechanism. So if I start to talk about something that's uncomfortable, they may get aggressive with me, which usually causes people on the, on the receiving end of that aggression to shut down. And it's a great way to not have to deal with something for that person. Again, we also have manipulation. And we see that people many times may, as a way to avoid pain, use manipulation. So they may manipulate events. They may manipulate information. They may manipulate circumstances as a way to avoid that pain. And we also have disassociation, which we talked about a little bit. And this is this is a it's a psychological term that describes kind of a an array of experiences that are that go from mild detachment to severe detachment, um, and so everyone disassociates to one degree or another. This is that phenomenon where you're driving to work and you're thinking and thinking and thinking, and all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, I don't even remember getting here, or you get in your car and. And you go on automatic pilot, you kind of disassociate, you think too much, and you end up driving to work when actually you were going to be going to church or something. And so we have disassociation on many, many levels. And what we're talking about with a a defense mechanism is when we're disassociating, we are actually just refusing to feel anything about it. And so we are disassociating from it. So our bodies may be there, but we are not there. So if you've been at a funeral, you may see people that have disassociated somewhat. And you may look at them and say, hello, hello, are you there? And they're just kind of vacant. And that has a lot to do with the overwhelm of pain. And so, again, I talked about intellectualizing. And then we have numbing. And so that's when people just don't feel it. They, you, know, you might want to say to them, doesn't this bother you? And they're like, no, I haven't really thought about it. No, it doesn't really affect me at all. And so when we're talking about these defense mechanisms we're understanding that if we engage in these, they only make the pain and the change more difficult and more complicated. And so what we want to do is we want to effectively integrate the change that is happening to us in a healthy manner. And so we're going to talk further in the next show. This is going to be uh, the following Sunday, one week from today. So I hope that you all will join me again because we're going to talk about How do we actually integrate pain effectively? How do we integrate the stress of change? How do we deal with the losses that come with changes that are positive or changes that are negative? And how do we do that well so that we really do reflect Christ and we really are able to be present in the relationships that we're in. We really are able to be a change agent for other people. And we want to talk about, the whole process of grief and loss. So this is Cynthia Hyatt, and thank you again for joining me, and I look forward to talking to you next week.
1: We hope this past hour has been encouraging, motivating, and inspiring to you. We'd like to remind listeners that this show isn't a replacement for professional counseling or therapy. The messages and teachings shared during the show are given as a way to reach listeners with ideas and insights about how to become your own best version. Cynthia is available as a keynote or guest speaker for corporate and spiritual events. To contact Cynthia, go to CynthiaHyatt.com. If you missed any part of this program, you can hear a replay anytime at KPXQ1360.com. Join us again next Sunday at 4 p.m. for Conversations with Cynthia on 1360 KPXQ.